Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new season of my podcast, The Estee Lalonde Show. I'm your host, Estee Lalonde. And in the first episode, we'll be talking to my friend Margaret, who you can find on Instagram at MNSBell or on youtube.com slash Margaret Bell. In this episode, Margaret speaks very openly about her advice to anyone suffering with mental health issues. And in general, I just find Margaret a joy to speak to because she is just so honest. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Hello, Margaret. Hi, Faye. (laughs) As I was just saying to you before we started recording, I'm slightly nervous because today we're going to be talking all about mental health. And for some reason, talking about anxiety and that sort of subject always gives me anxiety. Do you feel the same? I feel like I'm quite comfortable talking about my mental health now. I feel like maybe like in the beginning, probably, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I've become quite an open book. Yes, that's true. That's true. And I think um, that might be a good way to start is kind of talk about the journey um, that you've been on with your mental health. And I know that you've been really open about it online. I've seen your videos talking about it. Obviously, we're friends in real life, so I kind of know. So if you wouldn't mind um, sharing a little bit about your mental health journey, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Okay, so I... I definitely would say I'm someone who's always like been anxious. I remember like as early as being six, just being anxious, like at like a family gathering and stuff like that. But kind of at that time, I didn't really know that that was a thing or that was called anxiety. Um, so I'd say I've always like had that since I was a kid. Um, and then I feel like that definitely got worse. I'd say in the later part of school, so sixth form here, which is when you're 16 to 18, A-levels are quite hard, um, I'd say, because um, you go from doing your GCSEs, which is when you're at 16, and like an A-star at GCSE level is like a D at A-level, so there's like a massive jump. And I really struggled um, at school, um, so much so that like it led to me um, struggling with my digestion and I had to take loads of time off school. So I missed like 25% of school. Um, So I'd say my anxiety was like really bad then. Um, But I think at that time I knew more about it then. It was kind of more talked about. Um, But part of me didn't really put the two and two together. I just thought I was like physically unwell. Um, And then I went off to uni and I'd say I was like doing okay at uni, but um, like within my second year, like in terms of the way the school was run, everything kind of went up in the air. And I spent a lot of my time like advocating for 
um, my class and to get a decent education. Um, and that was like a lot of pressure on top of doing university full time. And eventually, um, I in my third year, um, in the first semester, everything just got too much for me because I was like also in the student union. And that was the first time I was like really depressed. And I feel like I just spent two weeks indoors in my room and I just didn't go anywhere. So in the autumn, I went to my doctor and told them about this and they said, you know, this sounds like depression to me. Um, and then I went on Prozac, first of all. Um, and then that's kind of where this starts. Um, and then I would just say that I struggled with anxiety and depression um, like for a year. Um, but then I had a manic psychotic episode in 2019 springtime um, and I was on different medications so a mix of like insomnia um, and mismanaging my um, medication triggered um, psychosis and mania so for those of you who don't know what mania is um, everyone has like a normal baseline below that's depression and then above that when you're kind of like high and you have really poor judgment you're kind of full of yourself you can get quite angry be quite reckless with money um you can have delusions and like a grandiose sense of being so i suffered um with that and my family didn't know what to do so i ended up being sectioned under the mental health act so I was put onto a psych ward um, and I feel like that's kind of the healthiest way to deal with psychosis because it's definitely something that needs to be medicated like up to now I'm still on an antipsychotic that I take just to make sure that I don't um, kind of flare up again um, and then through that I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder which is something definitely I've heard of um, I watched Homeland, if anyone's watched that, Carrie has bipolar disorder, so I'd seen um, some stuff about it, but I think it took me a while to kind of acknowledge that that's what I had, because I kind of put my episode as something being kind of psychotic, and I didn't really see myself as manic, um, because I have like such bad depression, it's clinical depression um so I just assumed that you know I struggled with depression but this kind of episode showed that actually I struggle to regulate my mood so I just swing between the two poles um of like manic and depression I haven't been manic in like over a year so I've been quite steady but my depression is still something I really struggle with now um and this isn't common, but I'm actually, as a bipolar person, I'm still on a really, really high dosage of an antidepressant just to kind of keep me um, functioning. Um, and that's not usually done because that can trigger the serotonin and make you manic. But because my depression is so bad, I need that. But as I said earlier, I'm also on an antipsychotic as well to kind of keep that in check. So that's kind of my very long um, journey of mental health. Well, Margaret, I must say that <laughs> that sounds absolutely exhausting. Yeah, I'd say it is. It definitely <laughs> is exhausting. We covered a lot of bases there. And mm. I think the what I'd like to do is just kind of go back a little bit to the beginning. Um, yeah. Because you mentioned earlier about you were having issues with your digestion. Mm. Um, that's a really interesting thing to me. I was just speaking to another friend of mine and, you know, she was saying that 
she saw a nutritionist and whatever else. And they were talking about gut health and that whole sort of thing and how digestion is very linked to mental health. Um, Mm. something I didn't know. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that. So of course I can understand why you didn't, you just thought you were unwell and you didn't think it was anything to do with your mental health really. Um, what have you since discovered about the link between, you know, digestion and mental health? One thing that I have to be careful with is coffee. Um, because I remember like I, I had to kind of commute between, um, home here in London and uni in Norwich. Um, and I remember like my mom gave me coffee before I traveled already. I hate traveling. It makes me super anxious. I prefer to just like not leave the house. I wish we could teleport, but I had to travel and I ended up having like a panic attack, like on the train and for those of you who don't know, like panic attacks feel like the worst thing ever, but they can only last for about 20 minutes. So you kind of need to like ride them out. I try and drink some water to regulate my breathing. So I remember that and I was just like, not again, I'm not doing that again. Um, and I really only like limit my coffee to like a very small amount. Um, and I'll usually just have it before exercise as opposed to just like trying to keep me awake or anything like that and as well as that I have been trying to take um what are they called the stuff that you take the good bacteria basically yeah probiotic probiotics yeah so I've been taking um Simproof I've not Mm -hmm. don't know if you've heard of them yeah I have they're a liquid version they don't taste great but you're like you take it on an empty stomach Ugh, um, I, I see it online and I'm like, I'm sure that tastes absolutely It tastes horrible. Disgusting. They have a flavored one and that one just tastes worse. Okay. Um, so it's really good because it's a liquid, which means it gets into your, um, it's better absorbed into your system. And you can kind of take them for like a one month basis or they do like a three month thing. And I found that um, even though I'm not currently taking it, I do want to start again. It's really helped with my digestion hmm. um, and it's so much better. That's um, interesting. Okay, and then let's skip to the part where you told the story of your first sort of manic episode when you were kind of high level, because I think mm-hmm. we hear a lot, especially now, about depression and anxiety, but things like mania and even bipolar um, discussions are kind of lacking. Do you find that? I do. Or like the um, stuff that is about bipolar disorders like people are like oh yeah I'm so amazing when I'm high or like they're such cool edgy interesting people and it's like that's not really like safe or like sustainable either like for example um when I do start driving I have to let the DVLA know that I'm bipolar because in a manic episode I could become quite a reckless driver when you're manic like you can become quite irresponsible like you can become quite angry like spend a lot of money like it's not just you being high or like buzzed it's like quite destructive and your sense of reality completely changes like I didn't feel safe around my family I thought they were like out to get me Um, and the only person I felt safe with was my little brother so it's really not fun and I know that there are some people who kind of romanticize being manic um and that like you can be super productive because like you hardly need any sleep and things like that but it's not really sustainable like you will burn out faster so the first time you experienced an episode like that did you just think everything feels different and new and maybe i'm just in a different mood or what did you kind of think and feel I, because I was also struggling with insomnia, which is something I've always struggled with. Me and sleep is just like not great. Um, so I just thought that like 
it was a side effect of me not getting that much sleep. And I would be so exhausted. I describe it as like, you know, a sim when you've like made the sim do too much stuff, it literally collapsed, collapses on the spot. That literally happened to me. I remember like waking up crumpled on the floor, like, how did I get here? What was I doing? Why am I half dressed? I just literally would collapse out of exhaustion. Wow. And like time flies by and like you have all these like racing thoughts and like, I have some pieces of paper of things I wrote down, which make no sense now that I'm in like a decent frame of mind. But like, you feel like you're having all of these epiphanies. And I was like, I just thought, you know, I was just like on another level, really. So it is literally like you're high. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm on another level of consciousness, basically. Um, But I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that I was high in that moment. Right. You think you're just having a regular experience. Yeah. Right. And it's a bit elevated than usual, but Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was concerning or that there was anything wrong with it. And your family, were they like, oh, Margaret, she's acting weird? Or what what Um, did they think? I think a little bit, because also this is really weird, but like it also like triggered my OCD. So then I just started like trying to change everything around the house. So like there would just be mess because I was trying to sort something out. And then I'd stop that and then start something else. Like literally I like had brought half my room downstairs. There were like leaves on the floor. Like it was an absolute mistake. So I think, cause I do remember slightly that like my mum had made me talk to like a mental health professional. And I do remember like being in that room and then her having to call them again to the house. Um, and also I remember like, um, someone from the ambulance team trying to talk to me and like I didn't feel like I could trust them or go with them so like I would just um, kind of not be cooperative um, so it was like they did try and intervene at times but ultimately I did have to be sectioned. Right so they definitely realized something was going on. Yeah it wasn't like this is normal. Got it. Behavior. So you mentioned OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of people saying like, oh, that's just my OCD. I love organizing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you're talking about a different thing. Can you yes, talk a little completely. bit more about that? And is that offensive to you when people say that kind of stuff? I don't feel like it's offensive to me because I guess I'm not one of those people who deal with it with like such a chronic degree that it kind of messes up their lives. Like I remember... I was a housemate with someone who had to like check everything before they left the house. So we'd start walking, but then they'd have to run back and go check. Like it's not that much or like I have to click the light switch a number of times, but also I wouldn't say I'm an unclean person. I'm just like a messy person. So that doesn't really apply to me. And my OCD like manifests in different ways. Like I get really particular about how things need to be like how they're ordered and sometimes it will just kind of come out and then I also suffer from dermatillomania and also trichotillomania so dermatillomania is like picking of the skin so I just have the compulsion to keep picking even though I might be hurting myself Mm -hmm. Um, and like I obviously need to stop but like the compulsion is there that I just keep um, picking up my skin and then the dermatillomania is like picking at your hair Mm -hmm. so I don't really have brows because I just like pick at them or I just get the urge to just like pick at everything um to the point where like it's not healthy right are all of these other things you've mentioned kind of caused by your bipolar disorder are they connected or Um, I'd say that 
there, I wouldn't say that it's um, caused by that because it, I think it's like a different strain, but me being mm. manic kind of um, showed me that more. I would never have considered that I was OC, that I had OCD beforehand. I do remember watching um, this really great show on Channel 4 called Pure, mm-hmm. um, and another form of OCD well, um, term is um, Puro. So it's about this girl who has these sexual thoughts um, that are like these weird things that just kind of overcome her mind. And she thought like she was a sex addict, but really it's another form of OCD to mm. have these kind of obsessive thoughts. So that was quite educational on learning that, you know, it's not just like being really clean and tidy. It seems to me like a lot of these disorders, is that the proper word? Yeah. It's kind of like you don't even really think anything's up. So no. how, how do you eventually realize that maybe things aren't really as they seem in your head? I feel like me having my manic episode really showed me that. Mm-hmm. So like coming back to the house after I've kind of trashed it, trying right. to like get everything in order. Um, and like noticing that like I can't leave the kitchen blind, like I need to kind of make sure it's straight or it will just like really bug me. Um, so I think it was me having that big event that made it like such a like daily thing that I was constantly trying to order things really showed that to me because mm. I probably would have never have thought I had it. Speaking of it being a daily thing, how do you get on with your daily life when you have all these things that are seemingly trying to kind of drag you in all these directions? I'd say it's hard. And most of the time, like I'd say it's 50-50 at the moment, like 50% of the time I genuinely am depressed, like stay in bed um, kind of um, person. And then 50% of the time I'd say like I'm like, okay not like happy but just at a functioning level like middle of the road mm-hmm. um so I have like been trying to be more productive because like last week I did feel quite low but we've kind of been like redecorating the house so despite feeling low I have like just forced myself to push through and do something else to kind of just keep my mind off of that because it's really easy to kind of um like keep thinking about things and ruminate um and just dwell on things yeah so just kind of making sure I can direct my attention at something else because I have a really good work ethic like if you tell me to do something I can really like concentrate and do that so it's just kind of directing your energy and then sometimes it's just accepting that you know I can't do much today and the little things I can do are a win Mm -hmm. so it's kind of just allowing yourself to have those moments as well Mm. you use the words push through Mm -hmm. and that's something that came up a lot actually um, on instagram when i asked if anyone had any mental health questions and Mm -hmm. it's something that i say to myself a lot just push through this you know i have um depression and i have had depression and experienced it like you similar i was around six i remember Mm -hmm. feeling like my baseline is a lot lower than everyone else's, you know, this pushing through, when is it a good thing to push through? What does it feel like to have to push through 
And how do you know when you can't push anymore? Sometimes you just know that you just kind of think things through in your head. And I don't know if you've heard the term, but spoons or like a spoonie, basically it's like a measure of levels. So it's just like, how many spoons do I have today? Like I only have one spoon today. So like, I'm going to like brush my teeth, get some food and drink some water. That's like my level. Or maybe I have three spoons today. Maybe I can do a bit of exercise. Maybe I can do a trot here. So it's just kind of like assessing that. So that's mm. the term that some people with like a chronic illness use the term as spoonies. So that's kind of like how I think about it. And if you don't have enough spoons for the day and you do need to get stuff done, just, you know, let whoever know that you are just having a difficult moment and trying to accept that it's probably not the end of the world like you're probably not like the president of the united states like things won't fall apart if you just take some time um and i think we need to start kind of prioritizing our health because without your health you really are nothing and you don't you can't really contribute Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to anyone without that is that the best way to go about it just you know say you had plans with a friend to go walk around the park Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to meet at two o'clock and it was 1130 and you realized, I thought I could push through this day, but mm-hmm. you know what? I don't have it in me. Is, yeah. Is that the best thing to do? I think it is. And also, it, it's good if you can communicate that because maybe then your friend might want to come and see you. And mm. that's still, you know, a healthy level of like um, socializing with someone, but it's kind of maybe more at your like vibrational level that you can deal with Mm. and I feel like it's important to communicate those things and if you don't feel like you can then maybe um you need to work on that relationship or that person's not for you because I feel like everyone should be understanding that kind of stuff because you really can't help it if we could we would be here Yeah. I mean, I used to be the person who would come up with all the excuses, literally. My Mm. dog needs to get a haircut urgently. I have to make this phone call. Usually work would be a huge one. I have to work. I have to work. Mm. I have to work. I can't make it. And then eventually, you know, you start to become a flake. You know, your friends think you're a flake and, you know, they don't really want to hang with you anymore because you're always Mm. ditching them. But I think something shifted in me when I just started telling my friends, you know, this is who I am. This is how I am. It's not personal. It's a struggle I carry with me every day. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you that I'm really sorry, but I just can't do this for whatever reason, like that is my truth in that day. And you you have to be flexible with me. And most of my friends actually, they're with the program, you know, And, and usually they say, oh God, like, that's a really great way of doing things. Can I do the same thing with you? And it's like, yes, you know, like if, if you can't, meet up or whatever it is like just be honest about it I think that's changed everything in my um friendships and in my relationships for sure yeah definitely yeah honesty when it comes to your mental health just kind of is better for everyone and there is that great sense of relief we have one question which I was going to leave until the end but I think it's Mm -hmm. a good time to talk about it and that is how to deal with hopelessness I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people especially right now, maybe are feeling a little bit hopeless. Um, how has, you know, coronavirus impacted your mental health and your general outlook? Um, I definitely say that 
to some degree, it hasn't really affected me much because, as I mentioned before, I don't really like leaving the house. I do what we call hermiting, which (laughs) means I can, like, go for days on end without leaving the house Mm -hmm. at all. Um, And I will, like, happily do that. But at the same time, um, I do kind of, even though I'm an introvert, I do, you know, need to see people and even just, like, go and do things by myself like go to the cinema by myself go to a gallery by myself go to the shops by myself like that is um necessary and kind of you know those are like little sparks of joy in life so I really do understand how people feel um but the main thing about hopelessness um the only thing I can kind of draw from my own experience is like being suicidal like that's the lowest you're ever going to feel like there is no further rock bottom like this is the worst it can be and even though that feels like a really pessimistic thing to say I think that on the flip side it does provide you with some hope that things can only get better from this point onwards Um, and with the coronavirus we know that this isn't going to be a forever thing so that's one way to look at it. Um, there is an end in sight, even though we're not sure when that is. Um, like, it's not still going to be something that's keeping us indoors like two years from now, hopefully. Um, so just remember that. And also just think of all the good that we are doing for everyone by staying indoors. Like, think of all the lives that you're saving Um, it may not necessarily feel quantifiable but like for each person there's possibly like one person we've saved like Mm -hmm. that family's heartbreak of seeing someone so ill of being so ill and then having to recover Um, think of all the people who are immunocompromised like Mm -hmm. you're helping them out Um, so I think there is some good to take away and also I feel like some people maybe shy away from having time to reflect and really think about what they want. And I was actually going to start doing a history of art, um, like course at university, um, from home. But during coronavirus, I was just thinking about everything. It made me realize that actually I might want to do architectural history. So Mm -hmm. like I applied to university and that's given me like a little sense of purpose so like if you can find something that gives you like sense of purpose I find that really brings you out of hopelessness yeah I think what you're saying about um the purpose is so important I mean that is literally the reason why I cannot be without a dog Mm. I know it seems maybe to some people like trivial or whatever but you mentioned being a hermit and that whole thing. I'm exactly the same. When the first lockdown happened, I was loving it. I loved Mm -hmm. being at home. I could be at home by myself for weeks on end. Genuinely, I enjoy it. I feel most comfortable. I'm not like stressed about anything. I love it so much. But that being said, I love it so much that if I didn't have a dog forcing me to go outside every day, Mm. I would spiral. I know that of myself. So Mm. I definitely agree with that. And you also paint. That's a little bit of a purpose, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I've not done it in a while, but it is good to like do something and feel accomplished. And it's like a physical representation of something you've done. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, putting it up, like every time you look at it, you can feel like, yeah, I did that. 
yeah it, definitely it feels like quite rewarding and it's kind mm-hmm. of a boost to your self-esteem as well mm-hmm. so if someone's listening and they or they maybe they have a friend who is mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily feeling hopeless but you can see is kind of struggling with depression or anxiety what do you think is something that either a they can do for themselves or b they can do for their friend because i actually have quite a few friends who check up on me and they just kind of like which will show up or something and say i left Mm -hmm. this by your door or whatever it's like you know i see them i see what they're doing and i appreciate it so what do you think what can someone do like the littlest thing i think like treating yourself to something is quite nice because I've been recently doing that I'm like I deserve this you know it doesn't have to be something extravagant like even if it's like a little thing like I'm obsessed with the fever tree Madagascan um cola so Mm -hmm. every time I'm in the shops I'm just like oh I'll get that and like chill it at home and I just feel really like happy when I have that so that's a little thing so like if you just have one thing that you look forward to or like I like taking myself out like on a date so Mm -hmm just take yourself out on a date um, mm. once a week. I was going to um, mention that you, you said that about just like going to the cinema by yourself or whatever. Yeah. Um, I find that so often, you know, when I do get in these kind of hermit modes, if I mm-hmm. just, you know, on the weekend, I went to Mulkey Street Market and I went mm-hmm. there and it was quite out of my comfort zone at the time because my mental health wasn't great you know and mm-hmm. I really forced myself I pushed yeah. it I got mm-hmm. dressed I got jeans on and I walked yeah. over there and I went there and I had such a nice time and it just sort of like rewired something in my brain to mm-hmm. like a different pathway and the day completely shifted for me yeah that was interesting mm-hmm. I feel like you don't necessarily think about how um life-changing those little um uplifting things can be yeah um, and they're really useful um and then if you have a friend just um making sure to check up on them and I've um been trying to say this um I think I saw it in a Zoella vlog instead of just saying how are you I like put in brackets like three sentences minimum mm-hmm. so like you have to tell me how you are in like three sentences or more okay um, and then also I'm quite like old school I love a letter I Mm. think that's so sweet and I keep letters I know that like my brother throws mine in the bin but um I think that's so sweet or even like the tiniest care package it doesn't have to be extravagant Mm -hmm. um but like in the first lockdown I sent my friends like a kilogram of sweets that I know that they'd love wow um so I was like just this something like that is just something to like pick them up Um, and make them feel you know good yeah and I find when I do something like that for someone else it makes me feel good yeah it does it's a Mm win-win I guess one last question about on this kind of subject is about family members who might not understand Um, you Mm -hmm. know like I remember when I was growing up for instance anxiety depression whatever it just was not really a thing that I don't know. My mom just really didn't understand anxiety at the time. She actually has anxiety now and she probably always did, but Mm. didn't know what it was. Um, But, you know, I used to say I have social anxiety. I can't go to school. I don't want to do this. And she would just be like, get on with it, you know? And I think she's definitely come around and learned a lot because I've spoken about it so openly with her. But I think a lot of people maybe are in relationships or 
um, you know, their parents or their siblings or their friends maybe just don't understand. What do you do in that scenario where you just feel like no one gets you? I feel like one thing that I know not everyone can get or not necessarily can have right away, but therapy is quite useful um, because I think it's very easy to maybe kind of over offload onto friends and they're not actually you know necessarily able to be equipped to handle that so that's also important and if you're going to therapy I think it just does show a marker of proof to some degree to your friends and family who don't understand that look I'm actually seeing a professional about this mm-hmm. um, it really is something that affects me or that I need to work on mm-hmm. so that's one way Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, another way is just sending them like a link to Bipolar UK, for example, mm-hmm. or I found like videos are quite useful. So if someone's talking about something from your perspective, maybe that like seeing that video can make your um, family member understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the name exactly, but I like spoken word poetry and there's like a really lovely poem about this girl explaining depression to her mother. Um, and just something like that is quite simple, quite short, but it really does kind of express how you're feeling. So if you can find the way someone else has expressed that um, and kind of share that with them, mm-hmm. I think that's quite useful. Yeah, that's a really good point. So how have you found dating? Because you have a lot going on with yourself. And how do you approach that when you're maybe seeing someone new? I mean... At the moment, I'm just over dating. <laughs> I'm just like so over it, so done. But I don't necessarily think it's something that I need to disclose right away because mm-hmm. um, I don't think that it's something that necessarily will like really affect them. Right. Unless I'm like living with them, for example. Right. Um, but I feel like sometimes if I have said something a bit like out of term, or just something quite rashly it is 
kind of useful to just kind of later explain when I'm like a bit cooler right um just to say oh by the way I do suffer from this yeah um when I was on a hinge I think there was a question that's like what's something I should know about you or something and I was just like I put that down um so I'm like cool with it but it's not something that would be in my bio for example right um and I think it depends how well you start to know a person because like Mm -hmm. if it's just like one date or two I don't think yeah really any of that business yeah I agree I think that's a good way to look at it Mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about confidence because you are confident and (laughs) gorgeous and you're getting naked naked on Instagram all the time (laughs) I am yeah um were you always a confident person and what does it even mean to be confident I think to be confident means to be self-assured but like not in a condescending or egotistical way Mm -hmm. so I think there's definitely a difference there I'd say I've always been confident like I'm I've been told that I'm like a natural leader you know all of that stuff (laughs) I think I've just always you know been able to like stand up and share my voice and be loud and outspoken mainly because I feel like I deserve to be heard and like when I have been like a student representative at university like fighting for um my colleagues um Mm -hmm. because I believe in that kind of stuff yeah so I'd say I've always um been confident and I don't find like public speaking to be an issue um but as for like self-confidence with my body I think that's kind of something a bit different because I definitely would have said that I suffer from like body dysmorphia when I was younger Mm. um I just thought like I was so like grotesquely overweight and like looking back at pictures like I just look normal Mm -hmm. um I'm not actually as big as I perceive myself to be in my head Mm -hmm. um but at the same time I did really develop so early on I like don't remember just not having boobs I've just always (laughs) had boobs Uh, you do have big boobies I do um (laughs) so like I remember being in year four like I don't know how it was for you guys for PE but you just change in the classroom Mm -hmm. and like I remember like a boy like pointing and giggling at my boobs and like you know you kind of feel shame about that stuff yeah Um, and I've always been like a bit chubby like plump I've never been like slim you don't see like my bones or my ribs or anything like that um and like being in we could wear like whatever we wanted when I changed school so in year five and six I just wore whatever clothes I was like shopping in Marks and Spencer's women's wearing size six to eight like as an 11 year old I did not have the body of an 11 year old oh my god I had c cup boobs at 11 like wow I know I really should have been wearing a bra earlier but like I didn't know what was going on oh my like, god my first bra was a c-cup I went into no. like year seven or is that middle school for you guys as yeah. a c-cup no way that's like insane so <sighs> and I remember like I'd run in the playground and obviously they'd like move and like girls would like snigger at me <laughs> so like to some degree like I feel that I've had confidence in myself, but like my body's been like a separate issue that I've been learning to kind of appreciate over time. And then also like for prom, so when we were like 16, I remember everyone was going to the gym and I was like 12 stone 
Um, and but all my friends were like eight, nine stone. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like four stone heavier than all my friends. But I'm quite tall, so I'm five eleven, so I'm just under six foot. Um, and I didn't take that into consideration. Yeah. And I was going to the gym as well, and I was like trying to eat really healthy, like to the degree that like you know orthorexia. So like you're kind of going over, um, and you know trying to lose weight for prom. So it's just kind of ridiculous how I perceived myself then and then I don't know why but kind of being bigger and like going to university an arts university and kind of just wearing clothes that I like to express myself um I've like become more confident and I think a big part of it has been curating what I see online so I have the power when I'm on Instagram to follow certain people and to see if a feed that's representative of me mm-hmm. it's very easy for me to have like just stuck to like the really pretty slim thin white girls when actually there's like a whole kind of like diaspora of people I can follow mm-hmm. so that body positivity movement has really helped me and it sounds really really weird but like seeing myself on camera um because I do video sometimes has allowed me to see myself from a perspective that I don't usually see mm-hmm. like I remember saying this to you I thought I was like a lollipop because of like how big my chest is and I just thought I was just like boobs on legs because that's literally what people called me at school um but like when I looked at myself a camera I was actually much more balanced than that and having started doing life drawing seeing the way people draw me and how they perceive me again has made me appreciate my body um mm-hmm. and like recently learning that I'm not here to look pretty for anyone not even for myself that's not the function of my body um it wasn't involved to like be gorgeous it's got a function and that's what's most important um how I look doesn't matter you know at my funeral they won't say god she had great tits or (laughs) um she had such you know um a gorgeous smile and stuff like that it's going to be about your personality right they're not going to be like, oh, she, well, was you a really, hope. <laughs> <laughs> she was really fat or she was really thin. And there's worse things to be than fat. Like, I think we're so afraid of being fat and like, don't get me started on like fat phobia and that. Yep. Um, because like thinner people who aren't necessarily like healthy thin mm-hmm. don't get the same treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just being like fatter, you're like more sexualized. Like if I wear a vest top, I'm more sexualized than someone who's slightly slimmer than me. Right. Just because I'm fuller figured. And that's even, you know, fed into the way the Instagram algorithm works. Well, that's interesting. Mm. I know that the Instagram algorithm definitely has its favorites. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And that is really messed up. It is. I know that like Gina Martin and Naomi and um, Alex Cameron have been um, fighting for change. So policy change has started happening, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's not perfect. And hopefully, you know, we'll still see those changes happen. Yeah. Okay. I want to quickly, before we wrap up, talk a little bit about your kind of work life, like your, your university work and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've studied so far and how you've found your whole experience while dealing with mental health? Um, so I studied architecture because I was like, I'm going to be an architect. It takes seven years to qualify as an architect. 
and I kind of decided it's not really for me. Um, I didn't really appreciate kind of um, how like upper class um, white and male dominated it was and you know being the only like black girl in the room constantly it's not something I kind of want to be fighting with on a daily basis but I still really appreciate it and like as I mentioned with the OCD I have always been told I have a really strong work ethic so I can really like pour my heart and soul into something mm-hmm. um, so sometimes like one thing I definitely regret at university is like I didn't necessarily enjoy myself um, that much you know I didn't really allow myself to kind of let down my hair at all like I can count on one hand the amount of times I like went out um and you know loads of people say that that was like the best time of their lives and I was just like always working like um school opened at nine finished at nine I'd be there all day go home work like Monday to Friday and then they'd be open on Saturday too I'd go in on a Saturday like (laughs) it was just like I needed to find like a better balance I think it's so easy and on top of that I also worked whilst at university which was also really tough like towards the end of it I really couldn't fulfill my work um at all and I really did struggle with my schoolwork towards the end so that was quite difficult I feel like I don't know whether this is just a British thing but there was so much pressure on like going to university and getting a degree and like if you don't do that you're a failure so I feel like that's definitely how I feel because I just wasn't able to complete it to how I wanted to. And so a lot of kind of self-resentment comes into that. And that's something I'm still working on. And I know it doesn't make me like a failure in life in general, but it's just something that has been told to us from like we were children that like, yeah, going to university and getting your degree. So I feel like to some degree I put in all this work, but I wasn't able to really... (laughs) get anywhere (laughs) sorry that's Effie barking all right (laughs) she's okay um yeah I I see your point and I like to echo what you said about you know it's what we're told and Mm -hmm. you know then you kind of repeat all that stuff in your head and it's this negative kind of like self-talk all the time how do you kind of silence that um those kind of I don't know all, all those voices and thoughts that you're having, like, I'm not good enough, or I'm a failure, and I'm this, when in reality, you're just doing things in a bit of a different way. Yeah, so um, lots of lectures from mum telling me that, basically. Um, And then just like her saying, you know, that I know people who haven't gone to university, um, and they're still able to kind of do decently. That doesn't just equal success. Um, And success is so much more than just, you know, money. Um, and status Um, yeah I want to do a whole other podcast episode (laughs) all about success and what it even is and what it means and what it looks like because exactly what you said I mean I didn't finish university and Mm -hmm. I remember when I decided to drop out I thought oh I'm a failure you know you can't help but have that that feeling but I just remember being on Tumblr like crying and like looking up <laughs> like dropout posts and just like reading with people like oh my god I'm not alone <laughs> like the people drop out it's okay it's okay well yeah. I think one thing that I've taken away from this conversation is that you know you are a trooper you have a lot going on and you 
have always managed to just be so generous and caring and nice to me. And I really value our friendship. And I just think what you're doing is great. And I've learned a lot from you as far as just like, you know, do what you can Mm. and being honest and open about it. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Estee Lalonde Show. If you'd like to keep up to date with all of our new episodes, make sure you subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Estee Lalonde Show. If you want to be extra nice and support the show, then you can leave us a rating as well.